Good morning, everyone. It really is good to be here. And what a great... Um, how do you sense the presence of God? It's not like you have some meter, but just walking in. God is here, amen? amen. And so, if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 6, we are... There's nobody new here, so everybody... Because they've all gone out, so everybody will know that we're... In the Sermon on the Mount... Um, Looking at Jesus' teaching on the kingdom. What does life in the kingdom look like? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What's the essence of how God sees people? What does relationship with him look like? Not rules and regulations, but relationship. A living relationship. That's so important that we get hold of that. That that we mustn't read through this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6 and 7... And be thinking that Jesus is giving us a whole list of stuff to do. Just more things for me to do in my life. More things to prove to God that I'm really a follower of him. If, if, you, read, if you read it and come away from it with that, then you've missed the heart of what Jesus is doing. He simply wants you to get hold of this. Who you really are in him. Who you really are in him. Not what some areas of your life might be in him. But who you fundamentally is a person, who you are in him. And Jesus is more concerned about what goes on under the surface of our life than what goes on on the surface of our life. God is a God, he says, who, who looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And Jesus is so concerned about our hearts. The room dynamic of the chair layout is so much better, by the way. It's just everybody's together. It's much nicer. There's still two rows down here. If anybody's got the cheap seats at the back guys you can come from the back and look two front rows for you um and jesus wants us to know who we are in him that's what we're going to be spending this morning doing if you want to turn to matthew chapter 6 that's where we're going to be just to say we are not going to go into the next passage on jesus teaching us to pray um this morning not because i think there's any issue with it far from it but because in the new year this is another notice We are actually going to, um, Sunday the 14th of January, we're going to start a week of prayer together, just as Al and I, a few weeks back, were looking at the coming year and just um, trying to do some planning. We just felt God saying, I want you to to seek me. I want you to pray. I want you to pursue me in prayer. I want you to be hungry to pray and develop an appetite for me. So we're going to have a week of prayer in all kinds of ways. Al's got some really creative ideas to engage kids, us lot. We're going to go for it. We're going to encounter God. We're going to be hungry for him. And so more details to follow. But just to say, alongside that week of prayer, we just felt we really want to give ourselves to to engaging with what prayer is and what happens and how we pray. Because it is so foundational. It's such a, a wonderful, it's such a simple thing, yet we can get it so muddled over what's going on there. And so we really felt like, let's do a, a mini series within a series where we look at the Lord's Prayer and we engage with that. So, so I'm not doing that this morning per se, but this morning I want to take us from Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 to 18, where Jesus talks about giving, praying, and fasting, and look at the overview of what's the point that Jesus is trying to, to impress in us, and trying to, get, trying to help us get hold of here. Because as we'll see in a moment, we could read this and we could come away with the impression, oh, To be a follower of Jesus, I now have to pray more, give more, and fast more. It's so easy, isn't it, to read the Bible and think, 
I've come away with a load of stuff I now have to do. And if we come off the back of that, with that impression, then I haven't done my job and we've misunderstood what Jesus is teaching us. So we're going to look at this as a whole. And just as I'm going, just as we're reading through this um, right now, can I encourage you to make a mental tally in your heads of, just do a word count of the significant words that Jesus speaks. Okay, just keep it simple. Don't worry about the ands and the eyes and the its and the buts, but the big words, the key words, just kind of clock them up, which you don't actually have to count them. Um, but just which ones are, are, are sat there and repeated often. And the reason for that is that when Jesus repeats words and phrases in the Bible, it's normally a good way to read your Bible is that he wants you to get hold of that bit. That's the bit he wants you to get hold of. Okay, so then we afterwards we do a family fortunes thing and we try and get some of the key ones out. Right. Matthew 6. Jesus says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Be careful. That be careful doesn't mean just mind your step. It means watch yourself closely, diligently, always. Always continually watch yourself. Watch your life, watch your attitude, watch your heart, watch your mind, watch your speech, watch your wallet, watch what you do with your words, actions, all of this. Watch it carefully. Keep a really close eye on it. Have an awareness. Be alert. Not just make sure you don't trip over. He says, be like that. And don't practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Because if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. And on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full already. And the Greek word that he uses for reward there. So in this passage, we just use the word reward. Every, every time the word reward is used, it's the same word. But actually there's two Greek words that, that Jesus uses, or two words, sorry, that Jesus uses to describe reward. And in this sense, it's a word called mythsos, which means a due that's paid, a wage that's been paid for something you've done. So he says, if you do your, practice your righteousness in front of others, or pray as we see in a moment, or give just in front of others for the sake of impressing them, you've been paid your due already. Here today, gone tomorrow, done, nothing else. It's been paid in full, that's all you're going to get for it. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will also reward you. And this Greek word that is used is a word called apodosy. Apodosy. And by it... It means this. This is what the, the Tyndale um, commentary on this says. This type of reward is not an earned wage. It is the disproportionate return of God's grace. In other words, it is a reward that goes above and beyond anything that was actually deserved. Sounds like God, doesn't it? It is payment for the deeds done, not in full, but beyond measure. It is a disproportionate reward in your favor. It's beginning to give us a clue of why Jesus wants us to pray and fast and give. Probably not often for the reasons that we think. 
goes on to say, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in synagogues on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their mythos in full already. But when you pray, go into your room, close the doors, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Just, um, I was just thinking about this as I was preparing, and I've been living with 1 Kings 18, the great passage when Elijah receives that prophetic word from God, I'm going to send the rain. Do you know, you know that bit? Amazing passage. And then Elijah has a battle with the prophets of Baal. They, had a, they have a god off. And, and he challenges them to build an altar. And he's going to build an altar. And they're going to sacrifice a bull on it. And he's going to sacrifice a bull on his. And then he says, we're going to call down fire from heaven. You do it from your gods. And I'll do it from my God, the living God most high. And we'll see who answers with fire. We'll see who the real God is. And in this moment, the, he, lets the, he lets the prophets of Baal go first. And they spend hours and hours and hours babbling on in prayer crying out to their gods oh gods if you really cared we're crying out to you look how sincere we are in our prayer and they're beating themselves and they're this that and the other for hours and hours and Elijah starts to mock them and it's all quite funny and then they start to cut themselves to draw blood all over their body and they're covered in blood and look gods look how serious we are and nobody answers and then Elijah comes along and he says okay just to make you guys feel a bit worse I'm going to chuck some water on my pyre, I'm going to get this ready for God to come and consume it. I chuck a load of water on, so now it can only be God. It can't be the luck that the sun reflected off that rock or that bit of armor and just caught it and made it. It can only be God who answers with fire. And so he cries out, God most high. And God comes and consumes his offering. You're, Jesus is basically saying that. You don't need to be like the, the pagans or the prophets of Baal who cry and cry and cry and beat and beat. That's different from pursuing God in prayer. He hears and he answers. Remember when we were looking at Daniel? Daniel cried out to God and that angel came to him and said, Daniel, your prayer has already been received from heaven. Heaven's already heard and it's already answered. Prayer is a pursuit of God's purposes with God. So Elijah has this battle moment. And then after that battle moment, then he goes and prays. God, you've said it's going to rain. Now I'm praying. Hey, has it rained? Servant, go and have a look up on the mountaintop comes back no no no, there's nothing on the sky well God said it's going to rain so I'm going to pray diligently earnestly I'm going to pray with tears and and with sweat saying God you have said it will rain and not not long-winded words trying to find the right thing to say to unlock God's favor but just God you've said so I'm declaring you've said I'm going to pursue you and seven times his servant goes back and forth and on the seventh time he sends his servant up go and see if God sent the rain his servant comes back and says, I see a man, a cloud rising on the horizon, the size of a man's fist. And Elijah says, the rains are coming, now go and tell Ahab. And then Elijah runs. That is what prayer is doing, is getting hold of the promises of God. Jesus says, you haven't got to act like the pagans do, hoping there's a God who somehow hears. Trying to find the right combinations of words to impress him and to make him move in your favour. Spurgeon said it like this, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the mighty arm of God. That's what's going on when we pray, we're saying, God, I can't, but you can. Truly, I tell you, when people babble on on street corners, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, saints, 
children of God. Go into your room, close the doors, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep back... Oh, I've read that bit, haven't I? Let's, go, let's move on. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. That's why Jesus, in a, a bit later, he's going to say, do not worry about your life, what you eat, what you wear. You don't need to worry about that. God's got it already. You do not need to worry. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May you be glorified. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I say Jesus had no problem in giving warnings. And you know when Jesus gives warnings, it's not because he's being a bit crotchety that day. It's because he loves us. It's because he wants us to know what, what following him looks like in its fullness. Verse 16, and when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their mythos in full already. They've received their wage. Oh, look, he's fasting. (laughs) That's it. Oh, he's a bit spiritual. That's it. Done. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you with an overflowing grace of generosity here and on into eternity. Amen. Father, we just pray in these few moments we have, Lord, may your word cause us to to rise up on wings like eagles this morning. Lord, may we be refreshed because of your word you spoke to us. And I pray it would be life-giving. I pray it would be releasing into freedom as sons and daughters of you, of your kingdom come, of, of being inheritors of your promises, both here now and into eternity. And so we say, Holy Spirit, come. Open our hearts and eyes and ears to your word. We pray it for our joy. We pray it for your glory. We pray it for the hope of this nation. We pray it for the hope of Swindon. We pray it for the hope of our neighbours that we might be those who are full of the power and presence and person of the living God which will be good news to a dying and hurting world. And pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Right, family fortunes. I think that's a game show. Is that the one? Thanks, Paul. (laughs) Come on then, repeated words. Let's go for it. What were some of the words that were repeated? Pam. Reward. Good. Seven times. It's up there. It's not the top. Keep going. Secret. Excellent. Six times. Pray. Very good. Six times. Sorry. Go on. I still can't hear. God. Yep. Anything more specific on God? Father. Ding, 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 ding. Ten times. Well done, Chris. You get the prize. It's not prize. Have a half-drunk cup of tea. Um, <laughs> Father. Father 10. Reward 7. Seize, seen, unseen. Actually, seize and seen is 7 times. Secret is 6 times. Pray is 6 times. 
So here's the deal. This morning, please do not think, oh no, one of those heavy sermons on, I've got to pray more, I've got to give more, I've got to, I've got to fast more. No, okay? No, no, no. I mean, you should do those things. Because Jesus assumes that you're doing them. When you pray, not, please could you pray, it helps my kingdom cause. When you give, not, please could you give a bit more money, the coffers are looking a bit low for this war, don't you know? The war effort and all that. Not when you fast, oh, I'm worried about, I've got enough food in the fridge to feed Gabriel and the others this, this week, it's looking a bit low, can you just go without food for a few days? He's not, he's not like that, to be honest. He's not saying that. And so please do not think this morning that I am preaching this and saying, right, gateway, for us to be a great church, pray more, fast more, give more, okay? That's not what I am after, that's not what I believe Jesus is after here. He's not giving us a load more things to do, but he wants us a whole load more to know who we are in him. He wants us to understand who we are. He wants us to know what it means to be in God's kingdom as citizens of his kingdom, not citizens of the world. I hope you know that when we put our faith in Jesus, we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, the dominion of Satan, this this world into the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of light. The kingdom of life, the eternal kingdom of God, his righteous kingdom, both now and forevermore, you're already a citizen of it. You're already living as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Not one day when I get to heaven, but right now today, you are a citizen of Jesus Christ if you're a follower of him. He's your king, your heavenly king. And we are citizens of this. And there's something that Jesus is wanting us to get hold of. I will get to the point. I just have a question. Why is it, therefore, that for those who follow Jesus and those who don't, we spend so much time and so much effort and energy and money and this, that, the other, trying to present ourselves in front of others so that we look good? And it's not just things that people who aren't Christians do, by the way. All of us do this. All of us do it. And we can even do this spiritually. With righteousness, we can kind of go, hey, Oh, sorry, does it look like I'm fasting? That's because I am fasting. I, I was fasting yesterday. It got a bit hard one week in. But, you know, I'm, I'm pushing through for a month. Yeah, just water. It's a Daniel fast. Just, you didn't need to know that. I just thought I'd let you know that. That's why I might look a bit pale. We can turn good things into acts of righteousness. And God says, that is not what it's for. That is not what it's for. He says, this is, so let's just think about the structure of the Sermon on the Mount for a moment. Jesus has just, he started by saying, this is who you are. You are blessed. Power in God's kingdom doesn't look like people with swords and money and guns. It looks like people who are full of the spirit who serve. That's what power looks like. It's a different kind of identity. Remember we said it's an upside down kingdom. And then Jesus has just spent some time saying, taking the law and saying the law has been demolished. The law's been done away with. You now no longer live under the law. You've been set free from the law. And so he starts saying things like, you have heard it said, da, da, da. But I say to you, it's a heart issue. It's not about obeying rules and regulations. And then he comes here and he takes practices of the Israelites. And he's basically saying this. He's saying, you've seen it modeled like this. You've seen fasting modeled like this. Oh, I'm, I'm faint. Just let me sit a moment. Oh. I've I've been fasting. That's how you've seen it modeled. That's how your religious leaders and hypocrites have done it. And they've tried to make it look like that's what spiritual, authentic spiritual life with God looks like. He says, that's rubbish. That's that's just, you get fiver for that kind of thing. 
He's like, that's not what this is about. He says it's about your heart. So your behavior flows not from what you do primarily, but from who you are. And Jesus wants our behavior to flow not by rules and regulations and an outward obedience, making ourselves look spiritual. Hey, I better not have some problems in life. I better not find it hard to be a follower of Jesus this week because else he won't be pleased with me and these people will think I'm a mess. And No, no, no. Jesus is the one who, we've just been reading it, your father sees the unseen. He knows your heart. This is the problem of humanity is that, that, that when Adam sinned, he realized he was nakedness and he ran off to hide his nakedness. He pointed the finger at Eve. He said, it's her fault. And we hide from each other and we hide from God. What a crazy way to live when you think about it. That the God who made you and formed you and knows you and loves you, that he might not know a bit better how we're to live. And he says, I want you to understand something here. I want you to know who you are. You too. That great band. Okay. It was the same in the West, actually. Nobody agreed, but that awesome band. Can you remember back in 2014, they released this album called Songs of Innocence? Do you remember? Great album. And suddenly, if you had an iTunes account, you received this album, Songs of Innocence, without even asking for it. Between Apple and Bono, they just decided, hey, let's do everyone a favor. We will put our music in their iTunes library. And the Twitter sphere went mad and Facebook went mad and people, how dare you just presume? I don't even like YouTube. YouTube? YouTube. What do you think you're doing? Oh, it's a bit presumptuous of you. And it caused such an uproar. I mean, it's just a free album, for goodness sake, but when you can't complain, why not? Anyway, and Bono ended up uh, issuing an apology. I don't know if you remember it. He said, oops, I'm sorry about that. I had this beautiful idea And we got carried away with ourselves. Artists are prone to that. Do you know, not just artists, human beings. A drop of megalomania, a touch of generosity, a dash of self-promotion, and a deep fear that these songs we poured our life into over the last few years mightn't be heard. There's a lot of noise out there. I guess we got a little noisy ourselves to get through i think his apology reveals something of the human heart i'm going to put myself in front of people i'm going to try and make myself look good and and polished up and holy and spiritual and and that i've got life together and i had a great time in dubai but you see a lot of flash cars in dubai you see a lot of cars even outside our hotel there were there were ferraris and lamborghinis that you could hire for a day i did ask the price but anyway and you just I just want you to know I am so wealthy that I have a Lamborghini. It's not, I'm not even saying it's wrong to have a Lamborghini, for goodness sake, although probably. But, but, you just, but you just see these amazingly flashed cars all the time. And what are they doing? They're just saying it's basically covering nakedness, if you want to know the truth. I'm so insecure that I have to have a car that's better than yours. I just do. I, I, I better have a car that looks and sounds amazing. And I'm sure it is fun to drive, and I am jealous. But, but I'm... But, All it is doing is covering nakedness. It really is. I mean, Adam used fig leaves. We use supercars. It's the same thing going on. And Bono says, I'm so fearful that this this work, these songs that are precious to us, that we've poured our life into, people might shoot them down and go, they're rubbish, or nobody will ever hear them. Do you know the amazing news is this? Christian. That the things you pour yourself into, 
Whatever your work is, whatever songs you're creating, the song of your life, you have a heavenly father who loves it. He loves you. And the, the message of the word of God is this. Your song is heard. You are worth something. You have value and identity and dignity. And when the world says you don't, you say I do because I am deeply loved by my heavenly father. And the citizenship that we operate from is that citizenship. It's a future citizenship now, currently, defining and shaping our lives. Hey, I don't have to run the way of the world. I don't have to be like the hypocrites. I haven't got to be a spiritual perfectionist and, uh, and making my own righteousness because I am loved by God. That's why that song, Good, Good Father, is such a great song. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. And this is what Jesus wants to get into us through this passage. So he's using talk about pray and fast and give as a means to help us connect with our identity. So it's no surprise that the top word that comes off in this, um, out of this passage is the word Father. He wants us to know our Heavenly Father. And he wants us to come to our Father again and again, and again in prayer, and fasting, and generosity. Why? Because we are utterly dependent on him. Because there's nothing we can do to cover our own nakedness. But God has done it all through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, I want you to pray before your Father in heaven. I want you to give before your Father in heaven. I want you to fast before your Father in heaven. Not because he needs you to. You can make a really big mistake here and think God needs you to do these things to help the kingdom cause. That, I mean, that would be a crazy thing. He doesn't need you to do those things. It's actually a posture of being a child of God. It's actually saying, God, I am so dependent upon you for everything. And so God is our heavenly father and we are sons and daughters. And in this Sermon on the Mount, the thing that Jesus wants to impress on you and on I over and over again is your identity is as a citizen of heaven, adopted children into God's household, a son, a daughter of the living living God, because that's who you are. That is who you are. And what we need in the church... And what this world needs actually isn't more people praying and fasting and giving. But hear my heart in that. I long that we're a people who pray and fast and give. But what the church needs and what the world needs of the church is a people who know their identity in God. That they are deeply loved by their heavenly father. And that we don't have to perform in front of him. It would be stupid because Jesus has already done it all. He's done everything to please the father. He lived a life that we could never live, but that we should have lived. He died the death that we deserved, but don't have to die. A great exchange on the cross. God's righteousness, we received that. And he received all our ugliness and sin and filth and shame and guilt. And he took it upon himself as though it were his own, that we might become children of God. And you see, the, the point is, I think, I'm, please, I'm glad we're going yes, because it's true and good. But I think sometimes we can say, great, good news, and we actually don't live as children of God still in our thinking we can still it can still slip in our thinking you mean I actually don't have to give you really don't have to give you mean I don't have to pray you actually don't have to pray 
You mean I don't have to read my Bible and fast? You actually don't have to do those things as children of God. But as children of God, they're the things that show dependency on our Father. They show, they're kind of like the fruit, if you like, saying, I know I'm dependent on God. I'm not questioning that I'm a child of God, but these things are so precious to me that this is where my life flows from. That I'm plugged into the vine. That I'm receiving my, my life. That I, wouldn't it be crazy to live life, to kind of go, well, I've got this challenging situation, but I really don't need God. I, I can make up my own mind. What's the point in praying about it or fasting about it? Yeah, the family's blown apart right now. Marriage is on the rocks. Business has gone haywire. Being persecuted by work because I once dared to pray for a colleague and it's backfired. But I don't need God in those moments. I just need courage and to be brave. And God says, you think? <laughs> you, you think you can navigate this life without me? You think, that, you think that you have all the wisdom you need, all the strength and energy? It's like, if you really want to try it, off you go, I won't stop you. But I'm here. I've got everything you need. I've got the resource. I've got the power. I've got the wisdom. I, everything at the universe and beyond is in my disposal. It's like, come on. I'm not after you praying because I need you to pray. I'm after you praying because you're so dependent on me. And this is what Jesus wants us to get hold of. Isn't it amazing that Jesus spent his life praying, going to his father in the secret place, taking his disciples, opening up his prayer life to his disciples and saying, I'm more concerned about what my father thinks of me, what his business is, than I am what people think of me. His, the, the driving seat of his life wasn't other people. It was his heavenly father. I only do what I see the father doing. Man alive, to be able to say that and mean it would be amazing, wouldn't it? As soon as you know who you are in God, as a child of God, then things begin to kick into place. Then the Christian life begins to take off in a different way. And so you see, prayer meetings, it's a bad name for prayer meetings, isn't it? If, we, if Steve Oliver, who leads our family of churches, he'll call them something like the prayer furnace or something. Um, but, but when we gather together to pray, we're not just praying because it's what we're meant to do. When you give, we're not giving because it's what we're meant to do. We're releasing the kingdom of heaven. We're pursuing the kingdom of heaven. We're ushering in the kingdom of heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, you are so worthy of our worship and praise and thankful hearts. We want to glorify you. May your kingdom come in my life. May your kingdom come in my sphere of influence. May your kingdom come in this town, out into the nations. May your kingdom come in increasing measure in this community of people. That we are a bit like a flame and a moth is attracted to it. Because it's full of the life and light of God as we understand that we are children of God. Where did that time go? Holy moly. Let me just very quickly finish with this. Prayer is simply this, as we've already talked about it. It's simply saying this, God, I can't do life without you. I need your wisdom. I need your encouragement. I need to pursue you in the secret place. Not because you need to know what's going on in my life. You already know that. That's why Jesus very soon is going to say, do not worry. You don't need to worry. Son, daughter, you don't need to worry about your life because 
Your heavenly Father has taken care of everything you need so that you are free to be a pursuer of his kingdom. Isn't it interesting that the days we pray and put God right at the start of our days, they are totally different days. They're just, I live, I don't know about you, but when I seek God at the start of a day, my whole day is just completely different. And things that I thought were going to be big and challenging suddenly aren't big and challenging. Other things pop up as opportunities. It just, it correlates. It just does every time. And the number of times I talk to people and go, I just prayed and God's done it. It shouldn't surprise us. Fasting. The word we use for fasting is an old English, comes from an old English word to, to say to fasten to. God, I am so dependent on you. I'm facing this situation that I am powerless in. I can't see a way out. My, this is happening. There's a sickness or, or I'm, just, I'm just perplexed over this. I am frustrated or I know my family or my friend or my neighbor are facing this. And I want to stand in the gap for them. Hey God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fasten myself to you. I'm going to cling to you. Declaring that I am dependent. We are dependent on you to move. For you to move in power, that we can do nothing. Yes, I have a body to live, a body to look after, a body to feed and care for, and this, that, the other. But I'm choosing to say that, God, I'm not actually fundamentally dependent on those things. I'm dependent on you as a child of God. On your spirit, your life, your love. Now, God, would you move? Giving. Isn't it amazing that that God is a God who is generous, he is kind, and he is giving of himself, always giving. Giving just flows from God. It is his character. It's not something he chooses to sometimes do. And we live in an age of greed. And greed is an evil and a sickness that affects all of us, if I'm being honest. It just does. It's a, it's a part of the fall. And greed is hideous before God. I'll, I'll acquire for myself. I'll earn to make sure I'm okay. I've got good. I've got X amount in the bank. I'm happy. I'm, I'm safe. Oh, I need X amount in the bank to be happy and safe. I need three months just in case. Just for when life hits the fan. God goes, when life hits the fan, you need me. You need, you need my resource. You need my wisdom. My provision. My love. And giving generosity of heart, time, finance, hands, love, attitude, speech. Giving of ourselves to others. Because remember, be holy because God is holy. Be generous because God is generous. Giving is God's antidote to greed. And it frees us from a life of consuming and saying, I'll look after myself for my own things. To saying, I care about the kingdom of God. So I just wanted to finish with this and we will pray. In Matthew 9, Jesus is asked this great question, Matthew 9, 14 to 15, about fasting. And so the Pharisees come along and the religious leaders of the day, and they say to him, Jesus, why do your disciples not fast? And he says to them, it's because this is a time of celebration. They're with the bridegroom. It's a wedding feast that's going on here. So it's not a time for fasting. The groom and the bride are together. You don't, have you ever been to a wedding where food hasn't been served? And they say, it's actually, it's not served because we're all fasting. I mean, that would be a rubbish wedding. I just, and Jesus says, this is a wedding feast going on here. This is what's going on. And so it'd be crazy for them to fast. But they will fast when I'm gone. They will fast where I'm, when I'm gone. But it will not be a mournful fast, a fast of sadness like in the Old Testament, a fast of, a fast of coming to God with, 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 with sadness in our heart. It's not going to be that kind of fasting, but it will be a fasting that ushers in the kingdom rule and reign of God. And then one day the great wedding feast of the Lamb will happen. And I tell you what, in heaven there will never be fasting again. 
Because the, the bridegroom and the bride will be together for eternity. And so we start heaven with a big celebration of food and feasting and wine, and it will be fantastic. And we don't even know what it will look like. But Jesus is saying this. The key to understanding fasting is not religious piety. Oh God, I'm, I'm actually sincere right now. So I'm going without food for a day. You better be pleased with me, God, because I'm doing what you told me to do. When you fast, while I'm fasting, God be happy. Happy. He's saying, no, no, no. Understand that when you fast, when you pray, when you give, you are releasing the kingdom of God into your life, into your sphere of influence. And that is what we're meant to do, people. That is the role of the saints of God, is to be ushers in of the kingdom. It's why Jesus hasn't returned yet, because there is more kingdom ushering in to take place in your life, in my life, in our sphere of influence into this town. You see, the rubbish thing is, if we approach fasting and prayer and giving as a to-do to impress God, and it's what we're meant to do because it's, we're Christians, and so it just goes with the package, you just, it will never be enough. You'll never be able to fast enough. You'll never be able to pray enough. You'll never be able to give enough because you've got it as a to-do regulation and rule. And it isn't that. It is a position of sonship. And by sonship, I do mean daughtership also. That's not a word, is it? Daughtering. Daughtai. Right. I should have worked that one out. Um, but it's a position of freedom as a follower of Christ Jesus. And so what can look like rules and regulation actually turns out to release us into kingdom life and living. And that is what God is doing. He's saying it's an identity issue. My children know that they are totally, totally dependent on me. And that is not a position of weakness, but it's a stance of strength. So let's stand up and pray. Father, we thank you that you are not the God who pays us with mythos, a wage, but you are the God who pays us with adiposi, an overflowing, ongoing generosity of, out of your resource, your limitless resource. Both you pay us now and into eternity. And I thank you, Lord, that you motivate us by reward. I thank you that you motivate us that way because that's how we work partly. But Lord, we don't do it solely for that. We do it that you might be glorified. But Lord, I thank you that you speak so much about rewards, about crowns of reward one day. When we see you face to face, you you motivate us to say, come on, understand you're a citizen of heaven. Better to store up reward into eternity than right here, right now, wasting the stuff God's given us where it can be destroyed and we can't take it forward anyway. Just as I say that, I remember, do you remember the gym? Elliot quote, the guy, um, the missionary in the 20th century who went to the Orca tribe in the Amazon. And he said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That is the heart of sonship, church. That is the heart of sonship. My father not only gives generously, but he invites us into his kingdom business. And so I pray right now this morning, guys, just if you, if you say, do you know what, I... I've been running the race trying to impress God, trying to impress others. And I know it's been wrong. And I feel like I'm between a rock and a hard place. I feel everything I do is never good enough. I never feel that pleasure of God, that satisfaction of God over me, that, that moment when, when, Jesus, when the Father speaks over Jesus, his son, and says, you're my son in whom I love and I am well pleased. He speaks that over you because what's true of Jesus is true of you. But if you haven't felt the pleasure of God over your life, can I just encourage you for a moment to lift your hands before him? Don't worry, everybody just shut your eyes if you're comfortable. Just lift your hands if you're comfortable. 
And Father, right now, thank you that you've given us authority as children to bind and to loose. And we bind up wrong thinking that says we need to impress you and impress others. That our righteousness looks like the things we do. When you say, no, it's who you are. That I am a good, good father and you are a good, good son or a good, good daughter. And I pray right now that you would loose and release sons and daughters in this place. Lord, not just, not just something we acknowledge and go, oh, it would be nice, but, but it would be our story to say, I learned what it is to become a son. I learned what it is to become a daughter with amazing access and privilege to my heavenly father who never, who never has grumpy days. I know every day I come to him, he's going to have that Daniel moment that said, I heard your cry and I've already answered. Now seek me in prayer because I'm inviting you to move until you see the answer. That Elijah-like moment. I want, you to, I want you to be generous in all that you are in every aspect of your life. Not because I need it, but because I want to release you to be more like my son. I want you to taste and see that I'm good. I want you to know that I'm a generous God who gives and gives and gives without ceasing. And that's a position of freedom. To not have to hold on to the things that God's given you for yourself, but to be a blessing with them. Hey, and I want you to pray. Son, daughter, Because I've got things to tell you. I've got secrets to show you. I've got truth that I want to impress on you in the secret place. And for some of you, that secret place is is you remember it from years gone by. And you say, man, I did used to pray in the secret place. I did used to be one who was before God in the secret place. But for whatever reason, it's just fallen out of habit. And I I want to say to you, become a son again. Ignite sonship. Become a daughter again. Speak to your father. Hear his voice afresh in these days. Because what this world needs is sons and daughters to be released. Who run riot in this world. Who say, this is not our citizenship. Therefore, we get to live the kingdom here. We get the privilege of stories. We get the privileges of seeing spines straightened. People set free from bondage and sickness and slavery. Because we have been given authority as the children of God. Spiritual authority. We've been given authority over demonic strongholds. We've been, given de- we've been given authority over poverty and sickness. Because we are the children of God. And this world needs an army of children to rise up in these days who are confident in their Heavenly Father. Totally dependent on Him. And the whole goal of Jesus in this is to say, the whole point of preaching, the whole point of worship, of gathering together, of your life as a follower of Jesus, is to know Him more. Everything we do is about knowing Him more, running towards Him, pursuing Him more, having a greater hunger and desire for more of Him. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, absolutely, come on, pray, give fast. But not for the reasons that the hypocrites do, but because you're children. And your freedom comes from life with God. So so I bless you in the name of Jesus this morning. I pray that he would fill you afresh with the spirit of adoption this morning. I pray that that those things that you're living and facing right now, those insecurities that you go, "I, I treat people like this because I'm insecure in myself. Hey, know that you're a son. Know that you're a daughter. That you can speak life, that your words carry life and death in them. You have the, your words have power and that as you speak blessing and life as a child of God, that life comes and transforms situations. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, we, Lord, we don't want to run in any other way other than children of God. 
And so we ask, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are a sign and a seal upon our hearts, that we have been adopted into God's household, that we are children of God, that you are the down payment, the deposit in our life of our salvation, guaranteeing a future inheritance. But we pray, would you come more in power in these days on our lives, that we would run riot with you, that we would, we would have a freedom that we've not even glimpsed yet. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.